Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And I'm very happy today to have as our guest, Kathy Reed, who is a horse listener. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for doing this. Sounds like you're a pretty good listener yourself. Well, thank you. We, we both seem to be involved with listening. Tell me yes. about being a horse listener. What does that mean to you and maybe to us? Well, I think it's very closely associated with our intuition. I think that when we listen to intuition, um, that, that little inner voice or that very subtle, quiet instruction that we get, uh, we're listening to ourselves. And when we can take that out into the paddock with our horse or into the arena with our horse, it's a deeper relationship that we have with another species. I think we tend to think of a horse as separate from us. And when you're doing deep listening, you realize the oneness in it. You join together into an energy field and you become one. And so deep listening means deep intuition. It's, it's just allowing yourself to be in a space of not knowing, just an open innocence like a child and really giving the horse a chance to have a say in the relationship that you're having with the horse. So I'm sure people who are listening uh, would ask the question, the horse has a say. Is it words? Is it how do you hear or what do you hear or how can you describe what you hear? Oh, that's that's wonderful that you asked that because the horses try to express their thoughts to us in so many different ways. So uh, as an example, if you were to stand in your arena with a horse, most people would think I've got to do something. I've got to ask them to do something. I'm going to make them move their feet. And I'm saying, what if you just stand there and wait and see what the horse has to say? What would that look like for you? Well, it might look like your horse might come into you maybe 10 feet away and just stand and stare at you. You do nothing. You just wait for the horse to do something next. And you're basically trying to mimic what a horse is doing in a paddock with each other. They're listening to each other all the time. Uh, a horse can make another horse move off a round bale just by twitching her ear. Well, that's how sensitive they are to our energy. Um, I had an example just this week where my mayor stood away from me in the arena and I thought, oh, we're just going to do whatever it is you want to do today. And she walked past me about four feet from me and then just um, had her rump to me. So she was facing one way and I was facing the other way. And I just stayed where I was. I relaxed one of my legs and we just rested there in that space and off she went to sleep. And that was just listening to what she wanted to do. She wanted to just feel safe, be in a place with me where I didn't ask her to do anything, where she could be with me like she could be with another horse. And it's a very tender experience that many horse people deny themselves. They feel like they've got to go do something or ask the horse to do something. And horses are are. are generally pretty much interested in being in a peaceful space. They don't want to spend a lot of energy running and doing things because they're, they're animals of prey. They, you know, if you really want to 
connect with a horse. Get quiet. Do nothing. Wow, that's <laughs> I say, nothing is something to the horse. Nothing is something to the horse. Well, yeah. that brings the question to mind. Horses allow people to get on their backs. Is they that, do. They allow. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can answer why they allow that. How? Because if they, they're animals of prey and they are yeah. animals, well, and who, who, how, how come they agree? <laughs> I guess well, a- that, that's a pretty powerful thing that they allow us to do, really, because they don't have to. I think going back to some of my early training, and I'm sure that this isn't the case for everybody, but my early training was very much, this is how we've always done it, and this is how we're going to keep doing it. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of creating a space of fear where the horse decides this is this is easier for me to do than not do. So there was an old expression, you know, you make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. And so I think the horse came to a place in its mind where it said, if I do this, if I let that person on my back, eventually I can understand, number one, that they're probably not going to hurt me. That may not be true, but it may be true. Um, and uh, I'm going to be able to get along with them. I'm going to be able to have some kind of relationships. But I would like to say that those kind of relationships often feel kind of one-sided. I wanted more for myself and my horse. I wanted more. And um, I remember one day having a meltdown in front of my horse's stall, and I just started to cry because she bucked me off, and I did everything the trainers told me to do. And, and she reached her head over the stall door and just started playing with my hair. And I thought, she's trying to tell me that this is going to be okay, but I'm going to have to do it another way. I'm going to have to find my own way. And I had to listen to that. Either that or I had to sell her because I she's a big horse. She's part Clydesdale. I'm 4'11". And she was very, she's very, she was very green. And she knew what she wanted. And if she didn't want me on her back, I didn't stay on her back. Right, right. How long ago was this? Ah, uh, this was twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. Okay. We're we're still together. <laughs> You're still together. That's wonderful. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I do remember, as I said to you earlier, my daughter. Uh, I've watched my daughter ride throughout her life, and she's become quite good, and has come to the place where there seems to be, and I can't tell, but you obviously know more. There's an agreement. There seems to be an agreement with her and the horse that they will do this together. That they will yes. ride together. And yes. And, and there are times when you, you might go and tack up your horse and you might just bring the saddle out and the horse will look away or the horse will step away. The horse is trying to tell you something. Maybe it's today's not a good day. I don't feel like doing a ride. That saddle hurts me. I'm not feeling 100% today. Um, I, I, I think that I think that it's fair to give the horse a little say in that. Maybe the horse is saying, let's go in the arena and warm up first before you put that saddle on me. Maybe I'll feel a little different about it after that. But we go in with an agenda and and we don't really always listen to the horse. I, I think that deep listening also includes intuition. I think we have it. I think we all know we have it. And we've been trained and it becomes biases in us. This is the way we've always done it. And this is the way we're going to keep doing it. Let's just stop. Let's be innocent, like a child. How did you come to that place of knowing that you had it within you? Because it's been one of the struggles in my life to admit that to myself and to allow it to be because Mm. there was so much 
you don't know that. You can't possibly do that or things like that. But yeah. how did you get there? How did you get to that wonderful place? Um, I spent a lot of time in nature, first off. And you can feel it when you're in nature. Um, imagine if you were to go scuba diving for the very first time and you put on the gear and you jump into the water. You've just entered a space of you don't know what's down there. You're in water. You know how to be in water, but um, you don't know what you're going to encounter down there. And intuition is like that. You, you, you go really, really quiet. And you'll, you'll hear a little boy. Some people say it's a feeling in their gut. Sometimes I think it doesn't start in the gut. It's a just, it's like this little thought comes into your head and you can decide to act on that or you can just brush it away. My, my hope is that we can start to create a space where we can say, I'm going to check that out. I'm just for me, I'm going to check that out. Was that my intuition? And the more you play with that, hmm, my intuition just said, turn right instead of turn left. I don't know why, but it did. So I'm going to play with that. And sometimes you're going to be right. And sometimes you're going to find that it didn't turn out so well. But I promise you, if you follow your intuition, you're on your soul path. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing here. Play with your intuition. We need to teach our children about their intuition. And we can't do it if we don't play with it ourselves. So imagine yourself going into a space of complete not knowing, just complete innocence, and then just wait and ask what, what's, what's my, maybe it's a job interview. Maybe it's a, should I go to the grocery store today? It can be really mundane stuff, but which way do I go to the grocery store? It's like, just ask Which street questions. do I take? Pardon me? Which street do I take? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or, and just allow yourself to be open. Maybe, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't feel an answer coming to you, but you're going to do something. If you're in the car driving, you're going to do, why did I just do that? Because I've always done it. Okay, next time I'm going to try something different. It's just a magnificent field of playful field for us to immerse ourselves in as human beings. And listening comes out of that. And listening can take you into it. Yes, that's quite wonderful. Now, you mentioned that you help your children, teach your children this. Do you feel as I do and I, that children have this already? Oh, boy. Them as yes. much encouraging them to let it be. Yes, and to express it and to and to allow a space at the kitchen table where they can say, you know, mom, I had a I had a feeling today about a tree. Really? Mm -hmm. Tell me about the tree. Um, take them into nature. You know, if they pick up a certain stone, why did you pick up that stone? Well, maybe it was just pretty, but maybe that was there anything else that called you to that stone? This is how we're going to teach them if we don't have our own vocabulary and allow ourselves to have a dialogue about it. We shut it down in ourselves, and then we eventually shut it down in our children. Let's right. open it up. It's just such a beautiful place to live. Absolutely. And how do you find this in the rest of your life? You, you obviously have this connection with your horse. Do you have other horses? Do you deal with other horses or you deal with other people? Or what do you, how do you do? I do. I have, uh, um, I have several clients. I do something called the Masterson Method, which is a form of body work. And it's a way of using your hands to listen to your horse. So you look at responses from the horse using your hands or other, and, and you go, okay, there's a spot right there. I'm going to help you release some tension right there. And they do, horses do have a lot of tension in their body from being ridden, from the different disciplines, dressage, hunter, jumper, whatever it is. 
they accumulate stress in their physical bodies just like we do. So the Masterson method takes uh, some of that tension out of their body through specific techniques. And then aside from that, I do Reiki, which is also uh, a great teacher of intuition if you let it be that way. Um, I've done shamanic work. Um, I teach meditation. I've done uh, spiritual psychotherapy. So the whole business of, and I shouldn't call it a business, the whole idea of this unseen world intrigues me. And I hope it starts to intrigue other people more because it's, there's a whole world there that we need to listen to. It's awesome. Absolutely. And it can, it can teach us if we open to it, if we're open to it and we listen to it. And, yes. Uh, and it's over. It seems also to me, and I'm, that we overcome, we have to overcome the, what people tell us is true. They may be right, or yeah. maybe they can do something else for us. Maybe they're right for them, but not right for us. Oh, it, that is so true. And I think a lot of the, like I said, about the way we've always done things with horses, those are biases. Maybe they do work, but maybe they're not right for you. And I think if you, if you follow the principle of harm none, and you look at the horse that way, well, maybe what I'm doing is kind of harming the horse. I, I also like the teachings of the medicine whale and the, um, uh, the seven grandmother stones. We talk about uh, wisdom, love, respect, bravery, honesty, humility, and truth. So try to deepen your understanding of these things on a daily basis. Truth, truth is pretty fluid in this world. <laughs> you know, what was true 10 years ago isn't even true anymore so it was true a year ago is not true according to certain sources today oh true <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it's it's nice to to examine our own biases it's also good to look at your ego and how much of what you're doing and how you're behaving and um what you bring to the world is just contributing to your ego and not to your intuition I just, I feel like you're going to encounter people in the horse world who are going to say, this is the way to do it. This is the only way to do it. Do your homework and then listen to your intuition. It, you know, it, it's always trying to talk to us. Yes. Gotta listen. And then if you don't act on it, that's fine. Don't act on it. But reflect back on it later on and go, you know, I had a hunch. We call it a hunch. I call it a, sometimes I, I act on intuition and I think, gosh, that was just the the most subtle voice that I heard. Whose voice was that? It was the right thing for me to do just then. You got to give it to me. Absolutely, that's so beautiful. I really, I really love that, and and wish for more people to experience it. Have that when yeah. you work with people um, and horses together. How many times are you working with the people or the horse? Even though, <laughs> oh. well, I had a great example of that with a, a beautiful client. Um, she loves her horse and. Um, she was having some trouble with behavior and she, she was, we were in the arena and uh, I was working on a horse and she was seeing some things that she described as magic when I was working with her horse. And she, she stood up and she said, do you think it's me? Do you think it's, it's something I'm doing? And I, I said, well, let's check that out. Um, the horse was in a very parasympathetic state. Why don't you walk towards your horse and I right now and let's see what happens. And she was maybe 15 feet away and the horse reacted to her. So their energy field is so much larger than our own. It has to be because they're animals of prey. They're constantly assessing what's, 
what's coming into my environment. They, they know what's a danger and what's enough. They know in the wild, if there's a cougar up on a, a rock up there, whether it's hungry or not, and whether they need to worry about it. So they certainly can read us very well. And when she saw the reaction of the horse, she had this aha moment and it opened up her heart. Yes. I would love for I would love for other people to have the experience of knowing exactly how much in, impact they have, not just on other horses or other beings. Just their energy is is intermingling. We're all one. We're in this whole Earth energy body as one. We're moving around in it. We are communicating to each other intuitively, well, if, energetically. If anything is being shown to us by the pandemic, it is that we all one. Yeah. is susceptible to the very same virus that goes around. Yeah, At the same true. time, as you're saying, we're all connected in another way, in a loving way, which is wonderful. Yes, yes. we can focus on that. We, you know, they, they say we manifest what we focus on. Let's focus on building our, let's just focus on exploring our intuition over the time that we're in this pandemic. You know, if we're on lockdown and we, you know, we can't do what we normally do, this is a beautiful opportunity to do something different. Maybe it's just explore your intuition, go for walks in nature, stop by a tree. Why did you stop by that tree? It may seem like nothing, but their energy is contributing to your well-being. The Japanese call them forest baths. There's a reason for that. They're a beautifully purifying place. And we know that plants contribute. Scientifically, we know they contribute oxygen and, and all kinds of other cleansing support to our environment. My goodness, what else are they giving us that we're missing? Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Have you found during the pandemic more into people involved in their intuition, more people open to the possibility since they're sitting at home looking at walls? Do they yes. Get some... Well, I think they're looking for something. And, and I think I've discovered that some of the people who have horses are saying, oh, well, you know what? I, I can only do so much riding. What else can I do with my horse? Call me. <laughs> we can play. We can play with your horse in a whole new way. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I love that. What is a new way of playing with a horse instead of getting on the back and riding? Yeah. Oh, there's there's all kinds of things you can do. Well, first of all, um, I can show you how to lay your hands on your horse. I can show you how to use your hands to listen to things your horse might be trying to tell you. Um, we can go into the arena and we can play horse games. We can do what the horse wants to do. The horse has. No agenda, but the horse has some ideas. Let's see what the horse has to say. Um, I think it was, maybe it was uh, Tom Dorrance or um, might've been Tom Dorrance said something once that I read. I wonder how the horse feels about that. I say that to myself every time I see a horse. When the horse and the rider are together, I wonder how the horse feels about, about that, about that person. Because I'm reading something from the horse and I wonder if the human is is picking that up. I certainly am, but uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it could be better. I just want to help people find something a little better. Right. And do you find for yourself in life that you pick up from people too, that when you, you're not just the horses giving you signals without, without speaking people also? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to hone your intuition, to do your listening and, and deepen that practice when you're, when you're out walking around. Now we tend to uh, interface with people a lot from ego. So dropping that, even in a supermarket, when you're walking by somebody, there's a gentle side to everybody. There's a loving, 
um, there's a loving energy in everybody. And sometimes I think we hide that. We cover it with a big ego shell. So maybe when you see people in the grocery store and they're just walking around looking for their groceries, you could look at that person and think, what am I feeling from that person? What kind of healing might they like? You know, there's an opportunity right there for something so simple as prayer. Just, gee, that person seems to be struggling. And then just um, from wherever you're standing, I, I send you love. I send you safety. I send you peace. It'll come out of your energy field in some way. It'll, it'll help them. Why not try it? Simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's nothing. Delightful uh, practices is loving kindness of imagining mm-hmm. people and just sending them loving kindness, whether they're near you or far, far away. Yes. It feels good. It has good. impact. Yeah. And it does have impact, yes. Also, I've noticed during the pandemic, like in the grocery store, you're wearing masks. And so some people say, well, that makes it harder to, to see some who you are. I said, no, mm-hmm. look in the eyes. Oh, my gosh. The eyes. And yeah. when we look in the eyes, I see the people. I don't mm-hmm. have to see them smiling or whatever else I might have used as a judgment before. When I look in the eyes, I think that's the way of doing it. And, and maybe yeah. that's, I, I don't I know. You're right. I find that with horses, people will send me pictures of their horses and I'll do animal communication with their horse. I can see right into them. I, I, I can see so much. Yes. Um, and you, you're right about the eyes of people. We tend to look at a person's mouth or another with glance at the eyes. But generally, we tend to avoid the eyes because we intuitively know we're connecting with that person's soul when we connect through the eyes. Right. It, you know, in some cultures, instead of kissing, they touch the third eye together. Right. It's a beautifully profound thing to do because if you close your eyes, you can feel them. If you open your eyes, it's a very tender moment. Indeed, indeed. You mentioned something just now about communicating with horses. Um, and I'm talking animal communicators. Uh, we've had the experience of talking to a wonderful lady who's an animal communicator who's helped us a lot. Do you do that for people? I mean, yeah. I've called her and said, look, our cat is going, we've just moved and our cat's going crazy. We can't find her. Can you find oh. her for us? And she has. <laughs> oh, you know, I think everybody has the ability to do it. And I think more intuitive, I say think, but I really think it's a feel thing. <laughs> you if if you're interested in it take a course in it you know it's it's another way that you know there's a an expression in um in buddhism i believe where they say there are many roads up the mountain um take a course in something and and start to open up your intuition and start to connect with your with your cat yes i do animal communication and i do it through the eyes yeah it's amazing what they'll tell you Yes, it, it is. I, I mean, there are lots of stories which we don't have time to go into, unfortunately, now. But yeah. not, particularly about talking to animals and having animals tell you, I'm not ready to race if it's a racehorse, let's say. Or yeah. I'm not ready to be ridden today. As you say, when you go into the into the ring, you can maybe find out they're not ready to be ridden. Or they hurt. My, my got a, a problem on my forefoot there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what would most people do in that situation? I've seen people say things like, oh, he's being sassy. He or she is behaving badly and it doesn't matter. And and yeah, I even had trainers myself way, way back when I first got my horse saying, well, you get on that horse. And and I've just seen some some things that I couldn't do. My heart just wouldn't let me do it. I, I, I can't hurt another 
I can't knowingly hurt another being, whether it's a human or whether it's an animal. And uh, um, I don't know, maybe that makes me a softy, but I can see it. And I, I feel that sometimes people show up for the horse because someone is standing over them saying, this is the way to do it. This is the only way to do it. It's not. It's not the only way. And if your heart says to you, this just doesn't feel right. This isn't me. I don't want this kind of relationship with my horse. I want my horse to be a partner with me, not a partner with me out of fear. I, you know, it's a, it's a different feeling. It, one of the things I remember having an experience of walking my horse around a track once, and um, there were some dogs barking. And, oh, she got all big and she was already big and she's behind me and she's all big. And, and I thought, no, those dogs are not going to interrupt our good time. We were having a nice little walk, but her radar was on really high. So that was telling me intuitively that she felt like she still needed to take care of herself. And she wasn't really allowing me to be part of the, the caretaking, the, the feeling of you're safe and you can trust me. I won't take you into a situation that would be scary for you. Well, she was obviously scared. So I turned around and I started marching towards the dogs with her on a lead line behind me. And, and the dogs sort of looked at me and I kept marching towards them until I was off the track now. And I'm down in the, in the uh, grassy area and I'm telling the dogs to go home, go home, go home. And I made my energy as big as I could go, home, go. Home. And they did. And I turned around and I looked at my horse and it, her, the look on her face was one of, oh my gosh, you just took care of us. I had a completely different horse on the end of my lead line after that, when I walked back to the barn. It was, it was a moment where I could have kept going and doing what any trainer said, you make that horse listen to you. Or I could say, that horse is telling me something. I think I can deal with this for the horse's sake. And right. I did. I saw a shift in her it's such a subtle little thing but and it was fun you know i didn't mind doing it at all so well there's such a clear picture of that difference between no horse stop being a, a difficult stop worrying about those dogs just ride let me ride you that's such yeah. a such a clear example thank you for yeah. that it's wonderful oh, you're welcome I, I don't know how i would have handled from her back but i was walking with her and i, I um i think there's a lot to be said for the way you walk with a horse and, and, you know, that horse is walking around in your energy field, feeling you, you may not even have your mind on walking that horse. Your mind might be on what groceries you're going to pick up on your way home or, you know, my stove doesn't work or something. Be with your horse. Just be with your horse in an open, free and honest, authentic way. It means so much to them. I bet. I bet. Well, Kathy, this has been so fascinating. I think we go. For, I could go for hours, definitely. Oh. Fortunately, we have only a few minutes left. So before we, we leave, I'd just like to find out if someone who's listening is as fascinated as I am today and would like to learn more, find out what they could do with you if possible. Uh, okay. how, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, I will give you my email. Um, it's, a, it's an Onita word. It's A-T-E-H-S-L-I-Y-O at gmail.com. Atasleo at gmail.com. Okay, just, just spell it one more time. A-T-E-H-S-L-Y-O. A-T-E-H-S-L-I-Y-O. I-Y-L. Y-O. 
Oh, at the end. I said, as in Oscar. A T E H S I Y O. Nope. A T E H S as in Sam. Right. L as in Larry. I as in Irwin. Y O at gmail.com. Okay, now we got it. Now we got it. Okay. It's funny Thank how you. you know it's so a, well. You know so well what it is, but for someone who just first time heard it, it's a little difficult. And it's an odd word, but it's an Onita word that means bright light. And bright light. Uh, and so um, it, it 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 called to me. So I know it's it's odd, and some of our native uh, words have lots of different odd spellings that the English mind just goes ah. Oh. <laughs> Do it. Actually, English has some of the oddest spelling in, in, in the world. So, who are we to talk? It's true. <laughs> but you are a, you are a bright light, Kathy. I thank you so thank much you. for being on the show. Uh, thank you, Tom, for having a, me. A delightful David. story, and I hope to to hear more about your horse listening. Thank so, you very much, Tom. I appreciate. It. I appreciate your listening, and to your audience too for listening. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad the audience has a chance to hear you. Bye for now. Bye bye.